Church of Christ. It's good to see you all this morning. Um, if you haven't been here in a while or something, uh, a couple essentials to think about. Grab yourself a bulletin. There's some smaller versions out there in the foyer. If you need a bigger print one, see me. I got a couple extra ones. Uh, also, grab yourself uh, communion. There's a pre-packed juice and a little piece of bread in there. So we got that out in the foyer. Um, I'm also going to thank you all for bringing tuna and chicken. Uh, we got a bunch of it, right? A bunch of it. If Matt doesn't get clumsy and knock it all on the floor, we got a bunch of it to hand out next month. So that's good. Um, so thank you all for doing that. Um, welcome this morning. We're going to set aside some time. We uh, put the world behind us for a little while. We're going to put away the, the, the worries that are out there, the, the wars that are going on, out, on the uh, just general bad news that seems to be out there. There's plenty of that. You pick it, you choose it. We're going to take a, take a time to uh, praise God for his creation, praise God for thinking about us, praise God for, for his love and his mercy that he uh, gave his only son on our behalf to, to wash away our sins and to reconcile us with him. And uh, this morning as we do that, we're going to sing some songs. We already sang one. It's our chance to, to praise him. It's our chance to speak our truth, speak the love to, to God, but also to one another, uh, the people around us. We hear that, we, uh, we believe it, and we speak that, that way. Uh, Ray will also have a congregational reading. It's, uh, it's old school, Old Testament style. We read from the Bible together. Again, it's the words of God that we speak those. We speak them as truth, and we encourage one another with that. Um, Matt, we're going to bring a, s a sermon this morning on gentleness, correct? It's going to be on gentleness this morning. So that's a, we're finishing off the fruit of the Spirit with gentleness this morning, so um, I don't expect him to get all riled up and screaming and stuff. He'll be calm today, but you never can tell. It's, you never can tell. It's Matt. So anyways, and this evening, Matt's going to uh, speak on digging wells is what he's going to speak on. Um, it's also a time, each Sunday morning, we have the, the Lord's Supper. We have communion. We have the, uh, the bread, which represents the body of Christ. We have the, the, the grape juice, which represents his blood. Uh, his body was free, freely given as a sacrifice on our behalf so we can be reconciled with God. The two slides that go along with that this morning will be about his blood being a way to justification, to make us just, to make us righteous, to be reconciled with God. So that's to give something to contemplate for the 30 seconds between prayers. We also have an opportunity to give. We have four boxes on the back wall that are bolted on there. You can put a check in there. You put cash in there, gold coins, necklaces, whatever you want to do. So we'll figure it out. Uh, so anyhow. Um, and we'll pray. We talked to God. We'll have prayer leaders this morning that will we'll pray. Um, take that as a, as a, as a sketch. Lose as an outline in their own prayers. You know, you hear we're praying for someone that's sick. Pray for those that you know who are sick too. And we also have a special time for a scripture reader. A young man who is... He reads, he reads scripture, and more so than anything, it, it helps prepare him to be a speaker for the day that he starts to lead prayers up here or he leads the, the Lord's Supper or becomes a song leader, that it's not a scary moment. He's there to do it for the body of Christ. So go with me in prayer as we kick things off. Dear Lord, we ask that you be with each one of us. We have a soft heart. See the world as you made it. We made it with love until we'd like to see it. Father, we uh, ask that you help us to honor your love and your mercy. Help us to honor the sacrifice of your son. Help us to pass along a little grace, pass along some uh, forgiveness. 
Lend a helping hand to those who need it the most. Father, we know you say, for the ones who need it the most, and we were there for them, we were there for you. May this chicken and this tuna represent our love for you too. Father, be with each one of us as we set aside the world for just a short time, and it's not nearly long enough. In your son's name we pray. Amen. This morning we're going to be reading from 1 John chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Shall we read together? Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God by loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is love for God, to keep his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. I will call upon the Lord, who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies, saved from my enemies. The Lord liveth, and blessed be the rock that God of my salvation be exalted. The Lord liveth, and blessed be the rock that God of my salvation be exalted. I will call on the Lord, who is worthy to be pray together this morning. Our Father who art in heaven, we come to you this morning calling upon you. We're so grateful that we're able to come in and dress you as our Father. And we know that you're our creator and the giver of life in which we, we have. We acknowledge that you are the Lord of heaven and of earth. God, we're grateful that we're able to come together this morning in your presence and speak with you this morning and lay at your feet our cares, our concerns, our wants, our desires, and that you hear them this morning. God, we pray that your will will align with, with your good and perfect will. This morning we come praying for the church we're praying for those who are grieving this morning, those who are worried, those that are facing surgery, and those that are needing encouragement. We bring all those names before you this morning and lifting them and praying for them this morning. God, we ask that you go and give us enough to sustain us today. We know that we live life one day at a time Give us enough hope and strength, enough courage for today. God, forgive us that we forgive those who sin against us. We know that you're so willing to forgive us, that you sent your only begotten son to this world, this lost and dying world. 
We're so thankful for Christ Jesus and for what he means to each and one of us and for the hope of eternal salvation with you. Father, as we begin a new week, a week loaded with opportunities, I pray that you'll be with us and lead us not into temptation. Father, you are a good God. You lead us besides green pastures to quiet waters. You lead us to good places. Father, as we are tempted, we look for ways from you. And I pray, Father, that you will look upon us and see us how blessed you have given and been good to us throughout this time. Father, we ask now that you go with us through the service. We acknowledge you, we honor you, we engage in this worship with you. And we pray, Father, that you will bless this time together as we fellowship and encourage one another. For we ask this prayer in your son's most holy and precious name. Amen. Our next song will help prepare our minds for observance of the Lord's Supper. We'll sing the verses slowly and the chorus faster. He breaks the start off by reading a few scriptures. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. Then he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink. Drink from it. All of you this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Let us bow. Father, we are so blessed, so blessed that you gave your son for us to open that door that we might have an opportunity to join you. Your love, your grace, your mercy, Father. Such a blessing. Father, we ask that you bless this bread as we take it as a symbol in your son's body as he was on the cross for us. 
name of the Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior and King. Amen. Let us bow. Now, brothers, we take of this cup. Please bless it as a symbol of your son's blood, which was shed there on the cross for us. Well, this is an eye opener. You, your arm is always outreached to us, always. As long as we're breathing, we still have that opportunity to change, to grow, to evolve. To strive to be Christ-like. Be with us. In the name of the Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior and King. Amen. As you all know, for the offering, we have boxes in the back by the doors for all those online. I'm sure you can get in touch with somebody and they'll take care of you. Got one short story before we pray for the offering. I met this young woman a few days ago, very intelligent. As she could recite, it seemed like just about any Bible verse, like it was nothing. Just off the top of her head, not even thinking about it. I asked her a question, even though she knew all these verses, she could recite them backwards and forwards. Did she learn them? Did she apply them to her heart? Did she apply them to her life? She had a hard time grasping what I was saying. It's not just about reading the words, but to be able to apply it to your heart, apply it to your life, to see yourself change. You, you change, you evolve, you become a different person. And, and it's a great feeling. And not only are you touched, but everybody around you is touched by that light that's shining. Please, as you go out there, don't be afraid to let your light shine. Hey, it's a blessing to strive to be more Christ-like. Hey, and we are loved by all those around us. You're never alone. God is always with us. Let us bow. Father, we pray for this offering. Pray for that it may be used for the benefit of your holy kingdom. Father, we also pray for the offering of time, offering of our opportunities to go out there and do us right. Father, give us the strength as we are inspired to be able to act on those, those inspirations to really make a difference in this world, to let our light shine. So we are blessed so blessed your love your grace your mercy it's just words can't describe thank you In the name of the son jesus christ our lord and savior and king amen Good morning. Today I'll be reading Matthew 11:28-30. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. At this time, children second grade and younger may be dismissed for class. I've chosen a happy song for our song before the lesson. It's entitled, In Moments Like This. Shall we stand? In moments like these, I sing out a song.
Okay, I'm going to try to be as gentle as possible today. Try to be as gentle as possible. You know, every now and then you got to preach on something you're not the greatest at. This is one of those days for me. I'm not um, usually what people would call gentle. Um, but I'm going to try to be extremely gentle today. It's the best I got for you. Um, so we're in our Fruits of the Spirit series. I'm going to read this again. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, which we're on today, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. I want to say real quick, next week we're going to be having a, um, a special lesson on shepherding um, as Brent gets installed as a, a shepherd. And then we will finish with self-control the week after. So there's going to be a little bit of a break in this fruit of the Spirit for a minute. But please, 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 um, self-control is going to be an extremely important part of this uh, conversation. In fact, I think just like love is a bookend on this side, as we discussed at the very beginning of the conversation, self-control is a bookend on this side. But we'll, we'll discuss that next week. When you think of gentleness, or two weeks from now, when you think of gentleness... Y'all really did build a wall here for me. Okay, this is going to have to move. Hold on. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to be the one that trips in front of everybody. <clears throat> Setting me up back here. Little traps. I'm watching you, Doug. When you think of gentleness, what do you think about? Some of it could be negative, like um, you don't want to be too gentle, right? You don't want to be too gentle. You don't want to come across as a pushover. You don't want to, you don't want to be too soft. When you think of gentleness, what do you think about? You know, the first thing I thought about, and, and the one way I will tell you that I'm, I'm, I'm very, I think I'm very gentle, I'm very good at being gentle, is with a baby. You want to handle a baby with care. You want to be gentle when you hold a child. What about with, when you're raising your children? Even when they do something wrong, there might be a time for a harsh word. There might be a time for a tough word, for some tough love. But there's also a time, almost every single time, if I might add, to come back and also be gentle. And let them see that love even in the midst of discipline. Let them see that softer side. Let them see that compassion and understanding. When you think of gentle, I think you can probably think of hopefully your bed. Hopefully your bed is gentle on your body. Hopefully your bed gives you great relaxation and rest and sleep. And hopefully you don't wake up sore every single morning. I've had mattresses like that. That's a rough life. Even with a bed, though, you want something that's gentle, but not, not too soft. It's got to have a little bit of firmness. What do you think when you think about gentle? I thought of three immediate passages that I think really can show us something about gentleness. And I think when you put them all together, it, it really shows you something profound um, about gentleness. The first one's found in John chapter 4. It's the woman at the well. She's Samarian. We understand that the Jews and the Samarians at the time, they didn't like each other. The, the Samarians essentially were kind of counterfeiting the gospel, um, not the gospel, but counterfeiting the Jewish religion and they did a lot of things that the Jews would have considered very wrong. And the Sumerians um, believed that the Jews did things very wrong. And so it created this, this friction. And so normally Jews, when they would come to a Sumerian town, instead of going through the town, there, there was such friction between the two cultures that they would literally walk around the town. They didn't want to be part of it. There was friction. And this woman, she's, Jesus and his disciples, they show up and they, and they need a drink. They've been traveling and they need a drink. 
And so they're at the well, and they're at the well really in the middle of the day. They're at the well where, where um, if you were doing your daily chores, this would not be the time you chose to take your water jug and go out in the heat of the day. That doesn't necessarily, don't read too much into that, but that, that is the reality. You don't go in the middle of the day. When you do yard work, you typically try to do it in the cool parts of the day, right? You don't go out in the middle of the day if you can control it <coughs> and do it in the middle of the heat. <clears throat> well, this is where Jesus is at the well, and this is when the woman shows up. And the woman's got an issue. One, she's Samarian. So when she shows up to the well, Jesus says to her, hey, can you... Can you give me some water? And she immediately notices. Wait, wait, aren't you a Jew? Are you talking to me? Because you guys don't talk to us. Second, I want you to understand in this time, she's a woman. Jesus is a man. And that woman is not his. And in the same way, that man is not hers. So it wasn't often that this conversation would even happen, let alone the Sumerian Jewish problem. You got man and woman alone at the well because he has sent the disciples away. But the conversation happens nevertheless. She's got a problem. Jesus goes straight to the problem. I want you to see that. He goes straight to the problem. In verse 16, it says, Jesus said to her, go call your husband and, and, and come here. And this was in response to, again, the things we just discussed. Aren't, aren't you a Jew? Ain't I a woman? Go call your husband then. Maybe he can get me a drink of water. And the woman answered him, I have no husband. And Jesus says, you're right in saying you have no husband. For you've had five husbands. And the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. Now I want to point out that a lot of times people surmise things based on the scripture. And that's natural. And we're doing the best we can to interpret. So part of interpretation is looking at the situation and trying to make sense of it. But one of the things you don't have to surmise here is that this woman has had five husbands. Now we don't know why. Maybe all of her husbands were terrible. Maybe all of her husbands, maybe she just had bad luck and maybe all of her husbands got sick and died young. I don't know. Or maybe she wasn't faithful. It could be either. The scripture doesn't really point that part out. It just points out that she had five husbands. And the one that she's with now, he's not her husband. Now that last part seems to indicate that there might be a struggle. There might be a sin. There might be something. It's, it seems like, it seems like a shot. The one you're with now, he ain't your husband either. She didn't tell him that information. Here's another thing. How many other people even knew that information? You know, when you have trouble in your life, when you have struggle in your life, you typically don't wear that on your sleeve. You don't bring that as a flag or a banner. You don't share that with every single person you come in contact with. And if you did, I would say you're being foolish, to be honest, because a lot of people are going to take that information and not use it for your good. So how many other people do you think even knew this situation with this woman, that she had already had five husbands, that she, none of those situations worked out, and now she's um, working potentially on her sixth, or maybe it's something different than even that. This isn't business she's running around telling everybody. I want you to see that clearly. 
Now, Jesus doesn't shy away from the issue. I want you to see that clearly as well. And then I want you to understand this part too. When, when they're done talking, the, the, the disciples come back. And they see him and they're like, whoa. Jesus is talking to a woman. And as they come back, she leaves. And she goes into town. And she starts telling everybody in Samaria, everybody around where she lived, she starts telling everybody, hey, you need to go and talk to this guy. He really might be the Messiah because he knew everything I had ever done in my life. Don't forget that statement. In, in the next scenarios that we go through, don't forget that statement that Jesus knew everything that she had ever done in her life. Jesus knows everything you've ever done in your life. Jesus knows everything I've ever done in my life. Don't forget that. I want you to see something else, even though and I didn't have time to go through a bunch of this scripture because we're going to spend some time in some other places, but even though he knew everything about her, he only addressed the thing that she was dealing with. He didn't call her on the carpet for everything she'd ever done wrong in her entire life. He could have, though. Which leads to the second one. Luke chapter 7. <clears throat> There's a Pharisee, and he's asked, Jesus, hey, come, come eat at my house. And of course, Jesus, he, he obliges. So, so they're reclining at the table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner. Now, I want you to see this because this is, I mean, we're all sinners. So everybody in the house was a sinner except for Jesus, right? Everybody else in the house was a sinner too. But the text is saying this in a way because this isn't just any woman. This isn't just everybody off the street and everybody struggles with sin. This was a known sinner. Part of her lifestyle was known to be sinful, okay? When she learned that, she, that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment and standing behind him at his feet weeping she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment now when the Pharisees who had invited him, when, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this he said to who he said to himself you ever have those private conversations that only you're privy to? This is one of those moments. He's saying to himself. He's not saying to the person beside him quietly, hey, can you see that? What's going on over there? No. He's saying it to himself. He's having a conversation with himself. I want to point that out real quick. If this man were a prophet, if this man were, if this man were who everybody said Jesus was, try to get gentle there. He would know who. Look at what the Pharisee says. He would know who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him. For she is a sinner. If this man really was a prophet, he would never let this woman touch her. He's having that conversation with himself. Don't forget that. And in that very moment, I wish it said that, exactly like that, but I didn't get the right to scripture. And in that very moment, Jesus answering said to Simon, Simon's the name of the Pharisee, he says, I have something to say to you. Remember, private conversation. He said, and he said, and he answered, say it, teacher. A certain money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon answered, I, the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Now, he's literally answering the question that Simon has proposed in his own head. Does Simon even understand that yet? Did he call Simon out? 
he obviously knew what he was thinking. Did he say, hey, Simon, you claim to be a man of God and that's the way you think? Sitting here judging this woman the way you are in your mind? You think nobody else knows what's going on in your head? Is that what he did? Who do you think you are? Isn't that the attitude the Pharisee had? Who is this woman coming in my house? If he was a prophet, he would never let her touch him. That's the attitude of the Pharisee. What was the attitude of Jesus? Hey, can I ask you a question? Have you ever thought about this? See the difference of approach? Who came to the conclusion? Jesus or Simon? Jesus does this all the time in his teaching. He doesn't lead you to a place where he tells you what to do. He leads you to a place where you can tell yourself what to do. Where you know what's right. Where you get it. Where it clicks with you. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? Do you see her? Simon? You know, the woman that you were just having that conversation with yourself about inside your own head? Do you see this woman? Let me do a compare and contrast. I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, which is customary, especially if you were wanting to show honor to somebody, maybe like a prophet. I'm being a little more sassy than Jesus. I'm sorry. I told you gentleness is in my gift. But she, she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You provided nothing. She cleaned me with Honestly, her own tears and her hair. And her hair. How many of you women have wiped even your husband's feet and cleaned them with your hair? I don't expect anybody to go home and do that. <laughs> but that's what she did. Think about, think about the honor. Think about the love. Think about the repentance that is going on in somebody that's willing to do this. You gave me no kiss, which is customary, especially if you're trying to show somebody honor. You greet them with a, even in the church, we greet each other with a holy kiss. Now maybe in America we don't do that as much as in Europe, but it's there. And it was part of this culture as well. You did not, oh, I'm sorry, you gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. Ladies, we're not going to ask that question. We're going to walk away from that one. We're going to walk away from that one. Verse 46, you did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, by the way, Simon, I do know, I do know who she is. I do know exactly who she is. In fact, I know her better than you do. Just like I know everything you just had, that conversation you just had in your head, I know it all. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. See, this is the scary part of self-righteousness. And I'm telling you, you can tell when you're being self-righteous, when you lose your gentleness. It's something to consider every single time. When I lose my gentleness, one of the first things I think in my own head is, is, is my self-righteousness winning in the conversation that I'm having. And that's exactly what you see with Simon. Simon is extremely self-righteous, if you, if you only knew who she was. I would never do that. I might do a lot of things. I might be really bad at things, you know what I'm saying? But I'd never be like that person. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, y'all never thought that way before. I said it like that on purpose because those people, man, they just have a hard time getting past their own nose. You know what I'm talking about? Never. Last but not least. Let's 
Listen, if this is upsetting you, <laughs> I told you gentleness ain't my strength either. But you got to preach it the way it is. Last but not least, John 8. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and placing her in the midst, they said to, them, to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now, is that a sin? Yes. Thank you. My, answer, my questions are getting tough these days. Whew. Of course it's a sin. And she's been caught in the act. There's no denying it. Now, we could question a lot of things. How did they catch her? Did they set her up? My favorite question is, where's the dude? She wasn't the only one. It takes two. They only brought her. They've sent her out to shame her. They've sent her out to trap Jesus. And how do they trap Jesus? Now, in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. This is how they're trapping her. So what do you say? Now, let me tell you something. If Jesus condemns her to death, the Jews are not in charge of themselves. Don't forget that, too. See, that's part of the trap. If he carries the coats, so to speak, like Saul did when, when they stoned Stephen, if he carries the coats, if he gives the issue that it's okay to stone this woman, he is now in trouble with the Romans because he has no authority under their government to issue a death penalty to anybody. Remember, when Jesus is being crucified, who did the, who did the chief priests and the elders, who did they go ask to get him crucified? So don't forget, there's multiple things going on. The Pharisees are smart, and when they trap, they're deep in their trap. But that's not why Jesus does what he does. Don't miss that either. Don't rationalize this away with, well, Jesus couldn't do what the law said. Because that's not what he said at all. He didn't say, hey, you guys know better than I, I can't issue a death decree. He didn't say that. That's, that's not what he said. This they said to test him, verse 6, that they might have some charge to bring against him. He issued the death decree. Anyway, going back to gentle. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And obviously there's only one person in the room that's without sin. So there's only one person in the room that could pick up a stone. And that would be... Jesus. Yeah. It would be Jesus. Did he pick up a stone? Some of us look to pick up stones at each other. Some of us look to call each other out. And not with gentleness. Not out of love. Not out of compassion. Not out of sincerity. We just look to call each other out. You know who taught you that? The world taught you that. Not God. The world taught you to find all the little things you don't like about somebody and decide, you know what, I don't like that person. We're all different. God made us all different. Our personalities are different. There's not a single one of you in here that's just like the other. You can take identical twins. They're not exactly alike. The world's taught you, find those little things you don't like about somebody and find reasons not to like somebody. Not Jesus. Jesus never taught you that. So he says, hey, if you don't have any sin, go ahead. If you're better than this woman, yeah, she's been caught in sin. If you're better than her because you have no sin, go ahead. Cast the first stone. At once, and once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. Now, who's the one who can call everybody out in this moment? Wouldn't it be Jesus? You don't think, just like the woman at the well, he doesn't know every single person in that room's everything they've ever done in their life too? You don't think he knows that stuff? Oh, he's got it. Just like he knows everything going on with all of us. All your deepest secrets, all your biggest regrets, all your most shameful moments, he knows them all. He could have just started calling out everybody. Hey, John, over there. <laughs> I could have caught you last week. You know what I'm saying? That's what he could have done. That's not what he does. 
You don't think he could have read what was going on in their minds and just started calling it out like, kind of like what he did with Simon. Letting them know the whole scheme that they did beforehand to set all this up in the moment. Could have done that too. That's not what he does. So he reaches back down into the sand. And he begins to draw on the ground and write on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. See, and this shows wisdom. The older ones already know the, the, the trap is over. It's done. They've been beat at their own game. And they leave quickly. The young ones, it takes a little while. You know why? Because they're full of passion. They're full of zeal. Young ones don't know when they're defeated as quickly. So they sit around thinking, probably thinking, I'm going to pick that stone up. But as they saw the older ones who should be leading, and they were, as they saw the older ones leaving one by one, eventually the younger ones caught on too. Until <coughs> all that was left was Jesus and the woman. And at that moment, Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where is everyone? Where'd everybody go? We just had a hot thing going. The whole crowd was getting into it. Where, where are they? Has no one condemned you? Is he surprised by that? Does Jesus not know he's the only one in the room without sin? Oh, he knows everybody's sin. He knows everything they've ever done. He knows everything they've ever thought. She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go. And from now on, sin no more. Don't keep doing that stuff. Don't put yourself in these situations. But he didn't condemn her either. Whoa. Caught outright. And something that has destroyed churches. Let's be honest about it. And something that has destroyed communities. Caught outright in scandal. Think anybody was looking at her life and thinking, oh, she's, she's a great person. I can't believe they're doing this to her. Not in that moment, because she's caught in scandal. The whole world was coming down on her. Her whole world was falling apart in front of her very eyes. She was busted. Jesus says, neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. Last one, real quick. Peter, after he's denied Jesus three times. Jesus comes, he's on the shore, they're fishing. He tells them the same thing he told them at the beginning. Hey, why don't you cast your net on the other side? They throw it on the other side. Their net's so full they can't even lift it. And Peter and John both realize at the same time, oh my word, this is Jesus. Peter, he, he gets ready, jumps in the water, swims to Jesus as soon as he could. As, I mean, immediately, in that moment, just as soon as it happened, he jumps in the water and he swims to Jesus. Why? Because he wants to make things right with God. His last conversation with Jesus, he's ready to die for Jesus. He's ready to fight for Jesus. And Jesus says, hey, get behind me, Satan. What's going to be done is going to be done. And you're getting in the way of the will of God. And by the way, Peter, Satan's asked to sift you. And he's coming for you. And I'm praying for you. Don't forget I'm praying for you. But you're going to deny me. How many times? Three times. So here they are, they're on the beach. Jesus has made breakfast. Great morning, beautiful morning. And Jesus says to Peter three different times, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? All those times, Jesus, uh, Peter says back, God, you know all things. You know everything there is to know about me. You know everything I've ever thought, everything I've ever felt, everything I've ever done. You know everything there is to know about me. God, you know I love you. That third time hit different, though. That third time changed things. See? 
That third time it says, he said this a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? He was grieved. Why? Because he made that connection, right? I denied him three times. Now he's asking me if, if, he loves, if I love him three times. And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. I want you to know, if you go and you look at the scripture, you will find that there are different loves going on here. And it's important to say this real quick. There are different loves going on. Jesus is saying to Peter, Peter, do you love me agape? Am I God? Do you love me like God? Do you love me with godly love? And Peter is saying back, God, I love you. Philo. God, I love you like a brother. God, I love you like a best friend. God, I love you like this. That's what's happening in the scripture. When you get to this last one right here, even though it hits different, even though it, even though it hits hard for Peter because it's the third time, this third time Jesus looks at him and he says, Peter, do you love me? Philo. Am I your best friend? Do you love me like a brother? And he says, of course I do. I've been saying that for three times now. That's the gentleness of God. So, gentleness is not being soft on sin. Every single time in every situation I've showed you, it's not like sin is just sloshed over. It's not like sin is not addressed in people's lives. Sin is addressed. But it is handling all people with care and compassion. It's not just going in like a bull in a china shop. Matthew 11, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart. Lowly in heart means humble. Lowly in heart means that there's no self-righteousness when God deals with his people. And you will find rest for your souls like your gentle bed that's just right. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Galatians 6, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him. If you think your brother is struggling, if you think your brother is in sin, it says you who are spiritual. In other words, you who are mature because you're mature enough to handle this situation. You're not going to go in and try to destroy somebody, <coughs> excuse me, and steal their soul. You're going to go in and try to restore their soul. That's a big difference. You're going to go in seeking restoration in the spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourselves, though. This is why you need to be mature as well. Because when you go in to save people and restore people, you can be drug in, too. You can be drug in. When someone is caught in sin, it's our job to restore them. But restore them gently. With gentleness. The way Jesus did that we've shown multiple times today. And last one. But the wisdom from above is first pure and peaceful, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, and have a harvest of right and, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. You see, this is why I say when you're not being gentle, there's probably some self-righteousness creeping in. And this is, spirit of gentleness allows us to help each other out of pure intentions. It helps us in our ministering to one another to be reasonable, impartial, yet sincere as well as peaceful and merciful. When it comes to cultivating gentleness, it's a mindset, you guys. It's the same question that Jesus asked Simon. It's the same mindset that you need to imply, apply, excuse me, not imply, apply to yourselves. Listen, I've been forgiven of an extremely large debt. My sin is great, but God is greater. And because of that, I look at every single other person and I want to treat them the way God treated me. And even though I am in sin and even though I struggle with sin, even though I am a sinner, just like that woman, God shows his compassion, and his love on me. And I pray that we can do that with each other. Not ignoring each other's sin, not ignoring, but pushing each other towards the goal in gentleness. Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you been 
washed in his blood, received the gift of the Holy Spirit, added to the kingdom of God, the body of Christ. If you haven't done that, you can do that today. For those of us who have, I know gentleness is not exactly the easiest thing. For some of you, it's easier than others. A lot of that has to do with our personalities. But I pray we all strive to be gentle with one another as we restore each other and keep each other on the right path. If you have a need to respond to the invitation, you can come as together we stand and sing. Thank you, Matt. We appreciate each of you being here this morning. Uh, before we close, I have a few announcements and reminders. Our food pantry is open tomorrow. Uh, because of that, we need some help bagging bread and pastries right after the morning worship. If you can help with that, please go in the back. Also, uh, we need a lot of help tomorrow. If you have some free time you can dedicate to that, Please see Sue Shoemate. She'll be glad to give you a job, I'm sure. As Doug mentioned in the greeting, we've had an excellent response to our uh, Pack the Pulpit for February. All these things will be given out through the food pantry through the month of March. We thank you for your generosity. Uh, also mentioned earlier, Brent Fitzgerald will be installed as an elder next Sunday. Please uh, pray for him and plan to be here to be a part of that. Uh, we are in need of someone to prepare the communion for the month of March. If you're willing to devote some time to that, please see Wanda Fitzgerald or Susan White that can help you uh, know what to do. Some updates on some of our sick. A friend of Doug and Pam Gertis, his name is Michael Wally, was critically injured in a motorcycle accident and is not expected to live. Uh, we've been asked to pray for him, his wife Erin, and they have two young children, so please honor that prayer request. His name is Michael Wally. Mike Shoemate is sick with a sinus infection this morning, unable to be out. He also has some headaches and nausea. Please pray for him. Chris Griffin will be having surgery this Tuesday. He's been in a lot of pain for some time now. Please uh, pray that his surgery is successful. Also next week, a week later, March 7th, Gail is supposed to have a surgery as well. She's been having inflammation with her lungs and uh, low oxygen saturation. Please pray that these things can improve so she can have the surgery. This is Roy and Joni Carroll's last Sunday with us for now. They're going back home on Tuesday. Uh, you might want to tell them goodbye as well as they ask for your prayers for safe travels as they go. Thank you. Shall we stand for our closing song? 
crown him with many crowns, the Lamb. Gracious Heavenly Father, we give you thanks, and honor, and glory for being the God and creator of all things. We appreciate you, God, so much for the love and dedication and, and commitment that you've given your creation. The love that was so great that from the very beginning you planned to send your son. And through his life and example, we got to know you better. Through his sacrifice and your grace, we have hope and of life eternal with thee. We ask, Father, that you'd forgive us of our shortcomings and sins, that we, that we would turn from them. We appreciate your grace and mercy and tenderness. We likewise, Father, ask that you open our hearts, that we would show this gentleness to one another. We would love and care for one another. We would commit our lives to being the very best examples of Jesus' path. We pray for the sick that have been mentioned. We ask that your mercies be given to the, each one. We ask that opportunities that they come to us that we can assist and help and, and encourage. We pray, Father, that the, that the worship this morning has been pleasing to Thee, has been done in truth, has been done in love, has been done in spirit. Thank you again for Thy Son in His name. Amen. <laughs> 